It's my pleasure to introduce to you our guest speaker today. As Marty already mentioned, uh, Tiff Williams is with us. She's the new, uh, arrived uh, sort of late spring, uh, Associate Regional Minister for the Christian Church in the Upper Midwest. Our region's kind of done some reshuffling, and we now have two full-time regional ministers. And so she's joining Bill Spangler Dunning in the work. Uh, She serves as the site director at the Christian Conference Center, which many of us know uh, and love, and lives in the old retreat house that uh, many of you helped uh, make uh, accessible so that she can move in uh, earlier uh, this year. Uh, she's married to Darren, and they have, of course, as Marty mentioned, beautiful Belle, their two-year-old daughter. Uh, I'm told they're avid uh, TCU Horn Frogs fans, and uh, she uh, wants to apologize uh, to the Cyclone fans uh, from last Sunday. Uh, the, that was apparently rough. I don't know. I don't know. I don't pay attention. Uh, but uh, she uh, is a native Iowan, but lived in Texas for uh, 13 years and then saw the light and has come back to Iowa into her home uh, region, the upper Midwest region. Uh, and so uh, welcome uh, Tiff as she brings us the word today. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, I, this is actually the second time I've lived in the retreat house. Um, The first time was when I was an intern at the Christian Conference Center with uh, Kate's son, Adam. Um, So it's good to be back in the retreat house, and I'm happy to say uh, it's been remodeled a little since the last time I lived there. Will you pray with me? Now, among the words that are spoken, O God, I pray that your word will be spoken. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Travis mentioned, I spend a lot of time at camp. I live there, in fact. And when I'm not at camp, it's my privilege to travel around the region to churches like this and fill in. Usually, the ministers are gone when I'm here, so it's kind of a nice treat to be here uh, when they're here, too. Um, One of the things that that I do is occasionally I get to go to an ordination. And I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to go to an ordination, but they are a really beautiful thing. I was at an ordination in May, and I was honored to be asked to preach for Allison Nickel, who was ordained at West Des Moines Christian Church down the road. Uh, Allison picked a scripture verse for me to preach on uh, from the book of Isaiah. And when I got the assignment, I was trying to be uh, good and dutiful and do my work. But I have to admit, the first thing I thought was, why would she pick Isaiah for an ordination? Wouldn't she rather... I thought, pick a gospel reading, maybe one of the parables, or something about Paul or Peter or one of the disciples, but why Isaiah? Um, And then I read this piece of Isaiah, and I thought to myself, this is exactly um, what our churches ought to be doing. To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free. To share your bread with the hungry and bring the poor, homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Doesn't that sound like Jesus a little bit? So she convinced me as soon as I read it that this was what I was supposed to preach on. And from that moment, I've sort of thought Isaiah might be speaking to us also in the 21st century church. In fact, I'm convinced that he's speaking to us. And it really boils down to what you think about the Bible. Do you believe the Bible is this sort of flat, inanimate object, um, history book that sits on the shelf that we pull out from time to time, preachers pull out more often to prepare for a sermon? Or is the Bible something else that 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, God still uses to speak to us, to teach us, to motivate us, to inspire us. I believe it's the second one, um, that it's not flat, that it's, it's a book that's alive um, through God's power. And so if you believe that, then I think Isaiah, which was written over 6,000 years ago, uh, could still be speaking to us. And what he's telling us, I think, um, the church in our time needs to make a decision. Are we going to be a church of darkness or a church of light? Are we going to choose darkness or church choose light? Before this short history lesson, by the way, anytime I've learned anytime I say history from the pulpit, people's eyes glaze over. Um, so try to stay with me. Um, this part of Isaiah was written after the exile. So the Jews get carted off to Babylon. Everybody remember that? And then some of them come back to Jerusalem. Some of them stay in Babylon. That's where they've made their home. Some of them come back. And this is written after they've come back. And they're sort of complaining and um, being negative and living as if they're still in captivity. And Isaiah is saying to them, are you going to choose to act like you've been redeemed and freed, or are you going to choose to act like you're still a captive? That's, that's a big choice, and I think uh, the same choice is there for us. Are we going to act like we're the resurrected people or not? Are we going to choose to talk about darkness, or are we going to choose to talk about light? And here are some of the negative things that I hear people say out there in the world. I don't know if you've heard this one, but I have. The church is on hospice. Why would anyone get ordained? Because the church is sinking. It's a sinking ship. It's on hospice. What I tend to say to that is, Lazarus was on hospice. There were lots of lepers in the Bible that were on hospice. The centurion slave was on hospice. God doesn't care about hospice. God cares about new life. <clears throat> you also, I know you've heard this one. People don't go to church anymore like they used to. Maybe you've said that. I've said it. All these coaches, they have soccer now on Sundays. They have football on Sundays. They have club volleyball on Sundays. Nobody respects the church hour. People just don't go to church like they used to. And I think what we need to choose to say is what a big mission field God has given us. What a wide array of places have God given us to reach new people for Christ. The other thing you hear is death is a foregone conclusion, especially in churches that are struggling. Uh, this church doesn't seem to be struggling like some places I go to. But some of them are really struggling to make their budgets and, and get people there and get people excited. And they'll say that death is a foregone conclusion. What I like to say to them is death is a dare to go out and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So what are we going to choose to talk about? Are we going to choose to talk about darkness or are we going to choose to talk about light? As a pastor, sometimes we even forget to talk about the light. Um, we get into those dark moments with people. Maybe you've been in one of those dark moments where your pastor's been with you. Uh, and even we can forget about the light. I was in a hospital room in Texas, in Fort Worth, uh, with one of my kids who had been in ICU for 14 days. She had been intubated for 10. She'd had a history of health problems, and everything had sort of escalated and gotten out of control, and it culminated in this hospital stay. Um, and her mom and I are sitting in the waiting room as we had done 13 days before that. And her mom says to me, I'm a good Christian. I go to church every Sunday. I read my Bible every day. I pray every morning and every night. I brought my kids to church every time the doors were open. 
We were there for youth group and Bible study and Sunday school and worship. Why won't God give me this miracle? And I would love to tell you that I said something really profound in that moment. Instead, I said, uh, <laughs> I had no light left. I'd been in the darkness with them, and I really had nothing left to offer or to give other than silence. But her 16-year-old daughter, who was sitting there next to me, said, well, the way I see it, every day we've had with her since the last time she was sick is a miracle. And every smile and every good memory and every great moment and every worship service we got to go to together and every holiday, God's given us a million years. Now that's someone who's choosing to see light. And they were choosing to see light when I couldn't see the light. And that's your job sometimes for us pastors as the church. Your job is to continue to show us the light when we see darkness. And that's our job for the world. You know, we live in a crazy time. <laughs> and all over the TV there's darkness and we're in this weird election year and nobody seems happy. This is one of our moments to go out and show our light to the world. The other thing I think Isaiah is telling us is to get to work. If we believe we are the hands and feet of Christ, I hope you believe that, I do. If we believe that, we have to, get, we have to quit sitting on our hands, get out there, and be the hands and feet of Christ to a hurting world. I tell the counselors when they come to camp, when I was down in Texas, um, I walked into a room about like this, and there were probably 125 rowdy teenagers in there. For some of you, that's probably your worst nightmare. Um, for me, it's, it's an amazing opportunity. And these kids were loud, and they were up, and they were dancing, and they were doing these things we call energizers, um, which really the whole point of an energizer is to be silly. Um, but I think it's where the spirit feels present at camp. And so they're singing these silly songs, and I walk into the chapel, and I'm excited for the day. And I walk in to the back, through the back door, all these kids are running around. And over here to my left are 17 adults sitting in chairs with their hands crossed. And my heart just sank, and I wanted to yell at them, but I knew I probably shouldn't. But to me, I tell my counselors that story because to me, those were 17 missed opportunities to be the hands and feet of Christ to the world. Sometimes it doesn't have to be the biggest acts of compassion. Sometimes it's just walking into a room and sitting next to a high school kid while they dance to a silly, weird dance. So I think Isaiah is telling us to get to work. To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house and when you see the naked, to cover them. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? Doesn't that sound like our work together? So after a while, I decided maybe this young um, candidate for ordination was right. And this was the perfect message for her ordination. And I think it's the perfect message for us. For us to get to work and to choose the light. And to be acolytes. To take that light out into the world and share it with a world that's hurting and broken and needs us. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this chance to share your good news. Help us to go out from this place inspired 
to be your hands and feet in Christ from the front of the room. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.